0: welcome to gaining the technology leadership edge a podcast for tech executives we provide strategies and tactics to help executives succeed and further their career goals with interviews from industry experts leaders and innovators this show will surely get you on the edge of your seat with thought-provoking advice on how to stay ahead of the competition Welcome to Gaining the Technology Leadership Edge, a podcast that explores the latest trends, technologies, and insights in the technology leadership world. From emerging technologies to digital transformation and beyond, we'll discuss the most important topics and ideas shaping the industry today. Join us to learn all of the juicy secrets of tech leaders, their biggest successes and failures on our quest for gaining that all important technology edge. Are you ready? Let's get started. Today, our guest, is Ken Coin from the award-winning outsource business, Ops Talent. Ops Talent delivers multilingual customer experience and IT development services globally from Poland, one of the leading outsourcing hubs in Europe. He's originally from Ireland and started in finance, but ended up in Poland with his brother who met a Polish girl on a blind date many, many years ago and moved to Poland shortly after. Ken has over 20 years of experience working in tech and is currently the head of growth and technology for Ops Talent where they have 500 people and growing. Welcome to the show, Ken.
1: Mike, delighted to be at the show,
0: and thanks for having me. Yeah, it's good to have you here. So tell me a little bit about Ops Talent.
1: Yeah, well, I mean, you gave us a good little summary there, but um,
0: what originally the story goes actually was my brother Trevor
1: uh, was in London working in banking, and uh, he went on a blind date with a Polish girl with two dictionaries uh, at the time. That was about 17 years ago, and a year later, he ended up moving to Poland. Uh, just based on that meeting I was a blind date It was very funny. And uh, I, remember, I remember meeting Gabby at the time and she didn't have the best of English, but now she's got perfect English. Um, but moved to Poland, they saw the opportunity in terms of quality of talent in Poland. At the time, Poland adjusts into the EU. So it was really starting to take off, uh, and companies are starting to set up there and access talent there. And What the guys did is they started doing multilingual customer support, which you mentioned. So there's two sides to the business. On one side, we're doing multilingual customer support 24 um, 7. And on the other side, we're helping companies access dedicated technology talent within Poland, as well as helping them build certain pieces of applications like mobile web applications uh, out of Poland which is fantastic. So the business now, like you mentioned, is almost 500 people now, uh, but very much built culture and people, uh, very much about employee engagement, which I find very, very important uh, in the world we live in now. Because when you do, if you want to really create happy clients, happy customers, you need to have engaged employees. And Forrester have proven through research that 80% increase uh, in success based on employee engagement. Um, and that's what we do. We focus very well on people, well-being. We've got numerous programs in that with numerous awards linked to that. Um, and as a fact, we put up a very strong brand that not only enables us to attract talent, but more importantly to retain talent long term. Um, like last year, we had a turnover of 5%, which in our industry in outsourcing, outsourcing is unheard of, to be honest. You know, we look at 30% plus. Um, so that's in a nutshell.
0: So do you, you, I assume you work with um, a lot of uh, technology executives who are looking to, you know, find extra help for their business. Is that correct? Correct.
1: Well, it's, it's a combination of requirements there, actually, Mike. You know, one definitely is its access to talent. I mean, in certain companies, it's even probably less so now with the world we live in now, but can't access talent, don't have a strong brand, for example, um, and they're trying to attract that great talent in, but they don't have the brand strong enough, or they lack the expertise, you know, maybe it could be new technologies, like you mentioned there, which is what the podcast is about, could be, you know, data engineers, it could be DevOps, you know, it could be AI, uh, and they just don't have that expertise, and they want to come to a company that can help them bring that expertise into the company. Whether it's you know build that team and kind of share the knowledge, or just build a specific application uh, that they just don't lack the skillset for, for example, mobile web application development, um, or companies sometimes they just don't want to build up big teams. You know, it's it's not the core. You know, like the company itself, the value of the company maybe could be focused on the actual product itself. It could be the sales. And they don't want to build up a big tech team. They want the trouble. And they want the hassle of it. I mean, it is difficult business. I'm not going to lie to you. We're in the people business, you know. And to not only to attract, but to maintain these guys is a huge investment of time, it's a huge investment of money, resources, and something that we specialize in. And a lot of companies just do not want to do that. So they want to go to someone that's an expert in that. And hence why they come to us.
0: Makes sense. Makes sense. Um. So... I know like when I, was a C- when I was running a tech department and I was a CTO and you know, one of my biggest challenges was, you know, I-, I had things that they wanted me to accomplish no matter what, but I also only had a certain amount of money that I could mm-hmm. use. Um, and so I actually had an entire team of developers in Sri Lanka, and then I had a mm-hmm. team of developers in-house in the United States. And so I was able to give, you know, almost 24 hour development for yes. less money. Um, and so I would imagine that's a big reason why some people come to you is, you know, they're looking for talent, um, but they want that flexibility that like, Hey, right now I don't have any projects. Let me scale down how many hours I'm using. Okay. Now I have a lot of projects. Let me scale it up. Is that correct? Is that how it works?
1: Yeah. And you made a great point there about the whole follow the sun approach, which I think is fantastic. You know, you can really accept, especially for the rest clients, you know, you got eight hours in the day, but if you go over to Eastern Europe, you got an extra eight hours at 16 hours of development time in one day. So in the world we live in now with competition, speed, you need to get those you know, new features out there quickly. You need to support a platform 24-7. It works really well in, in, in that regard in terms of, you know, access talent in different timelines, which are very, very important in regard to that.
0: So in your opinion, um, when it comes to outsourcing, I know uh, one of the biggest struggles, you know, I do CTO on-demand work and one of the okay. biggest struggles that my clients faces, you know, when should I outsource? So what, what would you, what advice would you give people on outsourcing?
1: Well, I think a lot of it depends on the strategy of the company. You know, you have to look from the top down first and say, what are they looking to achieve next year, two years, three years from now? Um, and then you have to build your strategy in line with that strategy ultimately. So if the company's got big targets to grow and grow quickly, go to meet engineers and meet engineers, high quality engineers, you need them quickly. Uh, and all of the companies that have the resources, like i mentioned, are the time to invest in that. Um, and that, I think that's really a key requirement. And things like you mentioned, timelines, you know, out of office hours, for example, if you want to go 24-7, if you want to expand into Europe, for example, um, and you've got all your engineers based in the US, then you're going to need to build a team externally within the EU and Europe. But
0: you, there's other, a couple
1: of other points there that you mentioned as well. Obviously, costings is a big thing. What are you looking to achieve here? Is it looking to access talent? Are you looking to save money? Um, Is it a case of that you've just got so many projects under your belt that you just know you cannot achieve that and you want to build it up just deliver projects and you want to take it back in afterwards? Um, Then that's another opportunity to outsource in the short term and take it back in. But also it depends on the company itself and the mentality of the company. A lot of companies don't want to outsource. They just don't believe that it's going to have a negative impact on the business they want to maintain everything within the house itself uh, and going to outsourcing. Then they look at that and say, no, that's not going to work for us. Um, and it, also, it depends what you're looking to achieve. Is it a longer term thing? Is it a short term goal Is you're looking to achieve or a specific project or longer term? And maybe sometimes you might want to go for contractors and you just want to bring contractors in house with that. And um, so it's very much aligned with the goals of the company and the management team as well. Because if the management team don't believe that this is going to work, or it's going to be too much challenging, or see it in a negative aspect, then quite often, if they don't believe in themselves, they're not going to work in it, then quite often it's not going to be a good solution for that company, you know. Uh, and depends on the size of the company as well. Some companies, you know, the culture within it. I find that in our experience, you know, some companies, what they do is the outsource. Which is great. So You go to a company like us and say, "Okay, do want you to take over this team. they well, want to build out this team." What happens is is that they give that team, you know, like secondary work, you know, maintenance work, kind of you know the basics. They don't want to give many of the cool, new, interesting projects. And that then uh, it's going to be a failure. I'm going to tell you now because, and I tell you why because people, for example, in Poland, highly educated, working really interesting skills, they're working on new technologies. If you're gonna give those guys the basics of maintenance, support, those type of rules, not giving good projects, then I'd say it's going to fail and don't outsource. You need to outsource if you're going to bring that company in and as a key plays key partner of that, your organization. When I say key partner, they're gonna be fully integrated with your team, they're gonna work closely with your team. Uh, they're gonna deliver it together as a team, as not them versus us. Again, it goes back to the point, would you outsource yes or no? These are the points that you have to consider before outsourcing. Because if you think that no, I don't, I want them secondary, I don't want them involved, integrated, it, then it's going to be very difficult for that team to work and develop well. And difficult. But in saying that, some companies less like to you know to say, okay, this is a piece of software which we think you know can be outsourced, uh, and they might just hand it over to the outsourcing company. That company will take it over. And I mean everything from adding new features to maintaining it to developing it and that aspect of it. Um, so I hope that can answer the question. They're going to jump yeah. a bit on different points, but, um,
0: yeah, I would add to that. You know, what I, what I found is, um, treating your outsource team like they're an in-house team, mm. um, is really important. Uh, I like to tell the story of, uh, I, I worked with this group of, of guys and one of the, one of the owners split off and started their own company, uh, basically doing something similar to what we were doing. Uh, let's say you know, we were doing food delivery. He was switching it so he could provide technology to restaurants so they could do online takeout orders. And of course, this was 2005. So this is way before anything's okay. going on in the world today, right? And he was, he was using the same team I was using, and he wasn't getting any results. And it turned out he wasn't treating them like they were part of his team. He would send an email at 5 o'clock at night with a list of 10 things to accomplish and then leave and not check his email till the morning. And then, of course, in the morning, all he got was 10 questions back about those 10 items. Whereas Uh what I would do is I would have a meeting each night, like a scrum meeting each night with the team and say, here's what needs to get done. Do you have any questions? Let me answer your questions. So in about 30 minutes of extra time a day, I could get this team fully functional. Um, And to me, that's the key. I think a lot of leaders go into outsourcing and they forget about the fact that they do need to manage this team. And it's part of their team. They have to manage it. And you find, I have found two types of people that outsource. Those who need, who already have a team and need a bigger team. And those who <laughs> don't have a team and have to outsource in order to get the, te- the, the development work done. It's, and both of them have the same problem because the one guy doesn't have a team and he's not used to managing a team. He doesn't manage that outsource team. And because the other guy has a big team that he's managing day to day and they're constantly knocking on his door, mm. he forgets about the outsource team. So that's something important to remember you know is make sure you're you're treating them like they're your at the very least a, a close partner because mm-hmm. you can't just expect somebody from um you know Poland for instance to understand everything about your business that they've never been a part of before um yeah. how do you how do you feel this is kind of a loaded question but how do you feel about um about meetings <laughs> <laughs> well, <laughs> um, everybody reacts the mean, same way. <laughs>
1: yeah, Meetings are definitely important, uh, I agree, but I think often we have too many meetings um, and often we're not getting the job done and they go on and on and on. I think you have to keep them tight and um, so, I mean, you focus on what the point is, make a decision and move forward. That's always I feel about these things. But like you mentioned, Mike, great pointer, daily standups are a must in software development. You have to attend those if You have to guide those people. You should, but I agree, you should definitely try and take that team in and consider them like your own team. If you really want that to be a success, work with them, develop them, feedback them, answer their questions, integrate them as much as possible because that's how you'll really maximize the return and that outsourcing team. And I suppose when you go back to that point about outsourcing, yes and no, if you've got a large number of features that you have to deliver, I mean, and you need certain expertise, you're going to have to outsource. You know, you just, you just not in general, you can't, you know, just build that in-house, you just won't have the expertise. And I know recently I've been hearing as well about all these layoffs in the tech business, a lot of big companies laying off thousands of people. In the grand steam machines, that's small. It's not a lot of layoffs. And that's only benefiting the smaller medium-sized companies who before couldn't attract that type of talent. Now they are, it's actually a benefit for the industry actually to see some of those layoffs and we getting more access to more talent now in the, in, the, in the industry. Plus in the past, the salaries were going a difference Going crazy, um, both outsourcing and in-house. And I'm hoping now with this kind of, you know, correction in the market, and I see it as a small correction, I don't see it as a big correction. Um, that we will get some with our reality back in. We don't get these big demands for high salaries and things like that. And also outsource versus you know in-source branding. It's all about employer branding. It's not just about having a brand anymore, about selling a product. You need to have a very
0: yeah, I agree with you. I think I think Twitter kind of proves that, right? I mean, the 7,500 employees to now under a thousand and this software just keeps running. They keep managing to do uh, enhancements rapidly. Um, it it, it kind of makes you wonder if if those engineers at Twitter were the best in the world, then why did we need seventy five hundred of them to get the product out there? You know. Um, but it the th- that, I, I back to your point about meetings. And, you know, keeping them tight. I think keeping the meeting schedule tight is important too. Like only having the meetings that are necessary. Like a scrum meeting. One I've been through. You, periods in my life where I did contract work and you always hear in the interview oh we use the agile project management system we have we have scrum meetings on a daily basis etc et etc cetera, et cetera, et cetera. and then your first scrum meeting you know they think because it's called a stand-up and that you're all standing that that accomplishes the goal but you know an hour and a half later and you're still standing there you know and you're like oh my god I just lost you know almost a quarter of my entire work day to this stupid meeting and what did it accomplish i now know that that guy over there is behind on three of his tasks that's pretty much all i know out of all of this um it, it i think you have to keep those meetings tight you, you know if it's a scrum meeting keep it short and sweet follow a process and stick to the process don't let people go off of it right and i think as the manager You need to do the same thing. Only have meetings that are necessary. Like I actually teach my clients something called a pace meeting system and it essentially empowers the employees. So, you know, they get to to make some decisions, but it also helps you. There's a component of it, of communicating to upper management what the heck you're up to. Because that's another big one. Usually, like when I was a CTO, I was on a team of six executives. And so we would vote do we pay for this or not? Are we going to give this budget increase or not? And it it was for every department. Well, it's just me against five other people. And if they don't understand what I'm doing, they're not going to vote to spend the money, right? Um, Mm -hmm. And I think we as tech professionals, we're guilty of forgetting that other people don't know all the things that we know. They're not privy to some of the information we've learned over the years. And so when we come to them with like, hey, you have this client server application, but I could, I could make it a web-based application. It'll be so much faster. And you expect them to just go, oh, okay, do it. They don't understand any of that. So mm-hmm. they're like, really? Is it going to be faster? How can you prove that to me? You know, and I think we need to remember that. Like when I was a CTO, I actually, um, we had a problem with our client server software. It was, it was written in Visual <laughs> Basic, SQL yeah. Server. Um, worked really well when you were near the data center but if you were across the country from the data center forget it it was so slow uh and I kept telling them if we if we turn it into like a .NET web-based application this thing's going to be a lot faster and a lot more efficient it, it'll just work better and but it was like a half a million dollars to rewrite the entire software it's a lot of money to spend to not know if it's going to work so I just took one of the worst parts of the application the dispatch screen I dropped a web browser control on a visual basic form and I wrote a .NET um, dispatch screen behind the scenes and just had it display inside the client server application. Well, man, I got, what did you do to the dispatch screen? It's so much faster. Yeah, there you go. (laughs) Show them how it works. Mm -hmm. Then they're ready to invest the money. If you can give them a little prototype of how it works. And I know a lot of tech executives see that as like a, a waste of their time. But if it accomplishes your end goal, which is to get newer technology in place and get the buy-off of your executives, why wouldn't you do it? So.
1: Um, um, I a couple of points to that, Mike, that's a great yeah. point to mention there as well. Uh, to I to point number one, and that, that you know, UX, UI design now is key and everything we build these days and we use it for everything. And like you said, you can get a full visualization Upfront of what the product is going to be, what are the features, how it's going to look, how it's going to flow beforehand, and like you mentioned there, some tech saying why would I want to invest in that? You know, upfront it's a big investment, but it's it's going to save you so much money and time that long term you just have to do it and you have to see because what's happening and a lot of projects that fail is that you get you go up to the software developers like you mentioned those teams okay guys. I want to build this lovely user interface. Uh, I want these number of features, off you go, come back to me when it's done. Uh, and how many times have I seen it? One month, two months, three months into the project, software team have an idea what they think they're building, often they go and build something. Then they decide to show it to senior management after saying, what the hell is this? This is nothing like what I asked. And um, as a huge amount of money is wasted is spent, um, and I find that time and time again. I mean, I love obviously the tech side of the business, but developers will go off and they build what they think is important uh, and what they think should be in the system, where it should be built on okay, what is the business? What is the customer actually looking for? What are the key features? And you focus based on what the customer feedback, constantly getting that feedback. And I suppose that's why, you, again, two weeks these sprints. You build something, you demonstrate, you show it to, to the management teams, and this is what we built so far. Does it make sense? Yes or no, it doesn't make sense. Okay, fair enough. We've only lost two weeks work now. We can change this or we can slightly change this now. It's not two months down the road and saying, oh, well, well that's another three months extra onto the project because you know we made this mistake. Um, and that's key that you, I mean, focus on the user journey. Customer is key. Customer will tell you what the product you want and that customer can be an internal customer or it can be an external customer, like your management team, what they want and constantly getting that
0: feedback and constantly build based on that. So, what are some pitfalls to avoid in outsourcing?
1: Pitfalls, ooh, there's a number of them. Okay. What I, I always say to clients um, when I start with this is one, cultural alignment is very important. The partner that you're working with are very much aligned with what you're looking to retrieve yourself. Um, and that goes not only just in the expertise they have, but also in the cultural alignment of what your company is like in terms of the people, the culture, what they want to do. If you don't have that similar cultural alignment in a partnership, it will just, it will, you're just gonna have problems immediately because on one side, I worked with clients that didn't care what the people, they just wanted, okay, let deliver that, I don't care. And we had all sorts of problems longer term in, in the process because they treated people very badly. Uh, I just wasn't aligned, you don't get that investment with the people in that aspect of it. Um, two, just a general cultural time science and misunderstanding. So obviously Poland, US, probably different in terms of culture as well. It's understanding, you know, how they coach things, feedback, how they deal with things. And that's where someone like us apart partner come in and manage that in between, you know, the language, how the language is handled, how they deal with it in that aspect of it. Um, expectation in terms of delivery, you know, what do you expect in terms of long-term, in terms of you investing something, what are you gonna get at the end? And this is where professional software development comes in because you're gonna have a clear view up front of what you're going to deliver in that aspect of it. Uh, and what you're going to get at the very, very end. Um, just, uh, I think there are the three key points to me that would stand out in terms of pitfalls to avoid uh, in that regard. And costs, the other thing as well, is that you have this idea that, oh, I'm paying 80,000, for example, that's 20 number of the, top, the first salary here in the US, and you're costing 100,000, but that's 20% more. And no, that's not true because we're charging you a fully loaded cost. We have to charge in management to those people. We've got certifications, there's trainings, the staff development, you got HR, you got finance. Even though you're paying a salary of 80,000, you've got all these costs addition on top and there's a minimum 40% in general as a rule of top on top, extra, probably even more uh, to keep those people in the organization. So do not compare like for like, that's often a big, big pitfall to avoid and I was like get asked this question so many times like, why is your cost so sort of high it's actually not as much cheaper than your cost you just need to work out what the other costs have been charged
0: <laughs> yeah I think I think that's funny people people wonder like you know why am I paying so much money for the outsourced resource mm-hmm. you know uh, but in in reality they forget about the fact that they're not paying for uh, to teach this person everything that they need to know, they're not paying. They're not paying for benefits. There's a lot of things that they're not paying okay. for. Um, I mean, there's there's at least in the United States here we always say there's at least a 25% on mm. top of your salary additional cost. So if all you're paying is a 25% markup, let's say, well, and you're doing good, and you could probably afford to pay a little bit more than that because the rate you're getting is going to be better. Um, I know, I know the team I mentioned from Sri Lanka. He used to offer. Um, dedicated resources for maybe $3,000 a month. It wasn't expensive at all at the time. I mean, yeah. at that time, I mean, to get a, a, a good developer for $36,000 a year was impossible. So I think it's. That's, uh, yeah, it's extremely. How long ago was that, Mike? How many years ago was we were we talking? 2010. Okay. About 10 years Probably ago. 10 years um, and I think he still does the same model. Of course, it's more expensive, but um, relatively speaking, I mean, it does. I mean, even if it was, let's say you're paying. Five or six thousand dollars a month for a developer. You know, you mentioned earlier how high salaries have gotten. I mean, when, when you see people at Facebook that are that are writing some simple aspect of the thing yeah. making four hundred and fifty thousand dollars a year, you kind of just shake your head and go, "Wow, um, I, I don't know." Uh, that you, was I that, think the yeah, yo salary. You know,
1: <laughs> <laughs> I know it's gone crazy. You know what these companies are paying.
0: But the other big thing as well as
1: language, of course, is very important english language skills uh, and it's often happening with many companies that outsource pitfalls avoid you make sure the level of english is very good because if you can't communicate with these people they don't understand you you don't understand them, you're going to have a major fail um, and you know in poland for example it's english is composed in even six years of age so you've got a very very strong level of english and that's why lot of companies go there um, and also because the quality of the development. So I was the top three year in year in terms of coding um, competitions. But that's key. I mean, things like South America, countries like South America, you be care for because the level of English wouldn't be as good as in other countries. Um, that's yeah, it, it, it,
0: it's true. I actually, one of the things we tried to do with with the Sri Lanka team for a little while mm. um, before ri- rewriting our application um, was, they offered the ability to bring if we paid for their airfare and um, a little bit of extra stipend while they were here. They would come to our to the United States for three months and they'd work in the office with us. And so we opted to do that because if they were going to rewrite everything, we want we didn't want them to just uh, verbatim copy what was all the logic that was already there. We wanted them to like rethink some of these features and based off of the business model. Well it was really booming success because they did get to know the business much better. They got to know the individuals who were asking for things, why they wanted it. But I did uncover one really interesting issue. The vast majority of my communication with them was over an instant messenger. And there was one particular guy who was like one of their main developers who his, it sounded like he had like five golf balls in his mouth when he spoke English. (laughs) And it got to the point, even in person, I'd say to him, can you just go back to your computer and type it to me? Because I'm really sorry. I I can't for life. me can't understand what that. you're saying. Uh, and then he'd tell me what he was saying. And I'd be like, that's what you were saying. That's interesting. I didn't know that. Right. Um, so communicate. I agree with you. Communication is the key. I mean, it kind of goes back to the story I told about the guy just sending an email at five o'clock at night that he may think that that's communicating. It really isn't. I mean, it's just passing the buck. Here you go are some tasks. If you can figure them out, go do them. If not, I'll complain in the morning that you didn't do it yeah and that's kind of what was going on there. Um, I think communication in business and life in general is an often underrated thing about how important it actually is. Um, and when you think about it, we communicate verbally and nonverbally and the part yes. that and the part that you're losing, in a remote person is the nonverbal, and sometimes the nonverbal really important, you know. Yeah. Um, but that's a, That's an interesting. Uh, that's an interesting issue. So, and go
1: ahead. Just thinking there, and one other one there, just as when you were, you were talking there, was the whole geopolitical aspect, which is now in the past we wouldn't have talked too much about it, but now since we've seen the war in Ukraine, uh, it is a major concern and a major thing that companies are looking at, um, like things like. Being in the EU, you know, you're know, you covered by NATO, you're covered by the European Union, yes. uh, whether it's in America, that's IP, intellectual property, all these things now, where you wouldn't have thought about in the past, are now coming really, really important. Um, and COVID, we saw what happened to COVID there. Um, countries that did not have good infrastructure, uh, like for example, in India, when the centres shut down, they, a lot of people couldn't communicate, couldn't work, the citizens didn't have the infrastructure to work more. And I'm talking about basic Wi-Fi and these kind of things. Yeah, uh, yeah. Thing that, you have to consider.
0: That's the stuff people don't think about, like like <clears throat> simple stuff. My my wife um is from Canada, and when we okay. and when we met, um, we would talk about internet access, whatnot. They have metered internet access in Canada. We don't have that in the United wow. States for the most that's part. True. Yeah. So like. They'd only have so much internet per month and then they get charged extra. Here, you know, we had unlimited internet access. And right. so it was super foreign to me. So you have to know those kind of issues yeah. too. Like what how is the internet situation in that country? And one thing that people don't seem to realize is the reason, like they'll say, look, there's so many developers there and they're working as you know remote contractors. Why are they going into an office somewhere? Different culture. It's how it works. Um, and like you said, they don't have great internet at their home. Um, they have to go to a business that's paying a bit more money. I mean, I know I, I have one developer on, on my team. I do Netsuite okay. development, and he, um, we require them to use a VPN when they're when they're connecting to American assets, just for security. Yeah. And it, it costs him a hundred dollars a month for right. that VPN in order to ensure that he gets a US IP address. Um, if he just wanted a random IP address, it wouldn't cost him a hundred dollars a month. But they get charged a lot of money for these things. And, um, you know, I end up, I pay for it for him as a kind of a benefit because why should he pay for it? I don't, I don't yeah. think that's right. Uh, but, you know, the long and short of it is understanding that's where a company like yours comes in, in my opinion, is you understand the cultural issues and can kind of be the go between. Exactly. You know, hey, did you did you know that these people are going to have this problem, and that problem? The other big one is and it's. In reverse, not being aware is when i've worked with indian developers one day you'll just on a friday you'll just get a message hey we're off on monday where we have a holiday <laughs> and and you're like okay i understand there's holidays but you had to have known about this holiday before friday and maybe you should have told me earlier but they to them if you were to say hey you should have told me about it well i did on friday i told you about it <laughs> not enough time dude like <laughs> i was expecting stuff to get done now yeah. i'm not going to get it done you know i've got a business to run i can't
1: just have nobody working
0: well, it's been a pleasure talking to you. I really appreciate your time here. Um, why don't you let people know, uh, where they can find you, and especially if you know any of my tech executives listening, if you need outsourcing needs. Um, I've gone through your your website, and um, I I love your focus. There's some really interesting things on that site.
1: Thanks, Mike. Firstly, really enjoyed the conversation. Uh, very very interesting. If people would like to get in touch with me, uh, I would say probably LinkedIn is a great way. So scan coin. I know Michael put the link in for me. Uh, or the company website, which is opstalent.com. Uh, and you'll find us there.
0: Great, great. Well, thanks again. And uh, thanks for tuning in to Gaining the Technology Leadership Edge. We hope you've had a great time with us, learning everything you need to know to stay ahead of the technology curve. Remember, be curious. Be updated on all the latest trends and show them who's boss. Until next time, we'll be back with plenty more techie tips and tricks so you can stay on top of your game. See ya. And...